0: Welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 104, 104 episodes, it's getting a bit ridiculous now, I might have to stop soon. Today I've got the pleasure of being joined by Ali G, or is it Index Gomesh, is that right? Uh, yeah, either one, either one. <laughs> how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate, how are you today? Not too bad, decent day actually, had a tough morning at work, it was one of those things where like, everything just went wrong, but <laughs> then when you hit rock bottom... You can only go up, and this is kind of like the peak of
1: my day, isn't it? So. Well, I'm glad I'm part of the peak for you today.
0: Yeah, mate, of course. Chatting Football Index to someone across the screen is always good. Like into my <laughs> computer. That's that's what I love to do in my evenings. <laughs> well, why don't you tell people a bit more about yourself and kind of your Football Index journey?
1: So I first got into it in, let me think now, 2017, like October, I think a friend, I'd seen it like advertised and stuff and thought it sounded like quite a good idea. And then one of my friends mentioned it and said he was on and said it was pretty good. So I came in and I put in £10 and I just bought, I can't remember now, like eight, nine players. And I was on it for like a week, but I just, I couldn't really get into it. I just found the whole thing that it was centered around like media a bit strange because I thought this, uh stock market of footballers would be more about like the actual games and how to perform but it was more just about media and papers and Mm. stuff so I didn't really get into it to be honest so I lost interest pretty quickly and then a year later I had an email from Index saying oh why don't you come back and see what your money's worth now. (laughs) I never knew they did that That that's quite clever. I know yeah it really hooked me back in to be fair so I was like actually I want to get my tenner back out and then <laughs> i went back and my tenner was worth 70 quid and i was like right i've literally just left that in here for a year and done nothing and it's worth seven times as much <laughs> so i thought okay maybe you can make quite a lot on this so then i think that was about november from like november to december i just kind of watched it every day so like every day i looked at the risers list and just thought about why those players are rising and I think at the time, because it was near January, it was mostly due of like January transfers. And I just saw like, right, like if players are linked to bigger teams, they go up. So then I was like, OK, I want to put in a bit more money and just like play around a bit, try and learn with it. So I put in like, I can't remember, like 250 or something. I lost most of it, but I learned a lot from it because I was just trying loads of different things, seeing what works, what doesn't. And then even though I lost most of that money... I'd seen enough to just kind of realize actually you can make a lot on this and so I decided to stay on and uh, yeah it's been worth it. That's pretty interesting and it's
0: quite similar to PB Man's actually that the previous episode that seems to have captured everyone and everyone seems to have loved that episode so you've got a lot to live up to Ali. Um, it's interesting that the MB Alpha side of the product hooked people but what has made a lot larger or a more variant style of trader join the platform is obviously PB which I'm sure we'll get into a lot more in the future but it's quite interesting to see how they kind of hicked, hooked you on after after once being on the platform I was actually speaking to a colleague who just joined my company recently and he was like oh yeah I kind of use it but I only check it like once a month or once <laughs> a couple of months and that was kind of Alien to me in a weird way. I always kind of thought of the classic football index trader as being someone that is on FI most days or checks their portfolio at least a few times a week. Mm. But maybe there are those people that just kind of leave it in and they just maybe don't care as much.
1: Yeah, I think uh, not. Every- <laughs> I think most of the people on Twitter seem to be on there all the time, constantly checking it. Whereas actually outside that, like, you've got a lot more casual users. Do you know how much money he put in? I think he said like a
0: couple hundred quid and obviously the more money you've got into it, the more skin you've got in the game and probably the more attention you're going to pay to it, right?
1: Yeah, but yeah, no, it's interesting to see that there's some more like casual users who just put in a couple hundred and I guess, yeah, if you don't have as much in, you wouldn't be worried about constantly checking it. (laughs)
0: probably not probably not would you well before we get into some miscellaneous questions uh, just check out my latest Bank Builder episode season 2 episode 5 I did a bit of a deep dive in a trade I did on Gabriel Martinelli in play during one of the games the the game he scored a brace recently in where he Flew up ridiculous amounts. But yeah, so I did a bit of a deep dive into that trade and why I bought, why I kept after the first goals and and all those good things. So if you want to check that out, please do. And also, if you guys do want to leave me a review on iTunes, I really would love that. The latest one from Mr. Nefu. Uh, The pod always has a great cross-section of guests to give both new and experienced traders a balanced point of view. Always offers many interesting perspectives for trading on FI and makes the listener think about their own strategy. Kind of a compliment to me and you now, Ali, right? <laughs> yeah I'll take that <laughs> uh, we've got a question here from Matthew uh, Pony, who does the kind of images luckily did the uh, allergy in the house kind of remake with you <laughs> and me which was I mean, weird, funny, whatever you guys want to call it. Uh, My question, please, can we make this happen in real life? If Fig could drive, he'd be hot property. Imagine your MCM turning up in a tuned up 2002 Citroen Saxo blaring Usher confessions party.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd be quite hard to turn you down on a Citroen picking me up, mate.
0: I can't drive, so that's the issue. I can't that. So I'd have to learn first, then buy a Citroen two thousand two. To be fair, my dad, when we were younger, had like a not that exact Citroen from Ali g but like quite like a similar, like maybe a slightly more modern one. So there's that link there, which is, is Asher <laughs> Confessions Part Two. Yeah, no allergy in the house. There, great, great film. Yeah, awesome film. You've watched it, right?
1: yeah definitely i mean it's my name stake so I kind of have to, <laughs> the amount of jokes i had made against me when i was younger yeah it would have been weird if you hadn't watched it to be fair
0: you probably like got forced into watching it just because of that probably, yeah, exactly but, uh, we got a uh question here from fi headhunter who's the best footballer to ever come from Staines and is Mijuli on the index? So I actually don't know if there's many footballers that have come from Staines.
1: <laughs> yeah, Staines isn't, uh, it's not really known for as footballers. So uh, we're lacking on that front. In terms of, no, Mijuli's not on there, but I think given the whole Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney uh, stuff recently, they could maybe actually add Wags on there for some media points, to be <laughs> fair. Wasn't that the most? Ridiculous?
0: I honestly think that was probably my favourite thing that I've ever seen on Twitter. Like, how long do you think it took Kalim Rooney to write that up and then post it? Because it was just so well crafted. There was <laughs> yeah, people posting no. shit like, "Oh, this is better." Like. <laughs> I think a couple of my favorite tweets, one of them was like, this should be shown in like every English GCSE class. (laughs) And then the one about comparing her to like Agatha Christie and like Poirot was just, oh man, that was just some. I
1: just love the way she's ended it as well. And it's just like, it's Rebecca Vardy.
0: Um, I just as you did that, I went out on Stainstown Town FC Wikipedia. <laughs> um, that uh, Joe Rebo, the guy that Old Charlton guy, yeah, he went to an, Rangers recently. He used to play for them, which is uh, that's oh well. There thing. we go then. There you go. Um, there's not really that many others that have come. Oh, Gordon Hill went to play for Man United, capped England six times. There you go. For you older listeners, he was born in 1954. So. <laughs> bit before my time. His playing career spanned from seventy-three to ninety-one. Played for United between seventy-five and seventy-eight. So there you go. Some of you will remember him, maybe. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah, apart from that, not it seems as though not that many people or, you know, very good footballers played from played in Stains. But if you're listening and you know someone from Stains that's really good at football and became a very good football player do tell us us. (laughs) proper questions just need to remind you guys that this podcast episode is brought to you in partnership with smart scout so i plugged them in the last episode but uh this time i'm going to tell you about how you can see how a player in one league would perform in another so if you've ever wanted to know how you know randomly jamie vardy performed in la liga then you know this could be useful or more useful if you were looking for like a non PB player and how they perform in a PB league, then you can do that at smarterscout.com. So if you want to use the code FIG 2019 and get your first three months free, uh, you can do that at smarterscout.com. Dot com premium users have access to first tier leagues from around the world and the top five second tiers in Europe for only five dollars a month. But obviously with fig Twenty Nineteen you get your first three months free only at SmarterScout.com. So check them out there. Dan Altman, who who runs it, who was on the podcast a, a several weeks ago now, was awesome. Awesome, really really good show. If you haven't l- re- listened to that one, do check it out and also check them out. Have a look,
1: SmarterScout.com.
0: So we've got questions here and Ali. Do you have an inkling about what we're going to talk about for the rest of the, most of the show?
1: <laughs> Probably the uh, announcement for the dividend dividend review. Yeah, well, it's weird because since we
0: announced you coming on, we obviously had the whole c- c- kerfuffle with the 7% job. <laughs> and then people complaining about the 7% not being real. FI announcing that there's going to be a dividend review. And FI releasing that, in fact, the 7% stuff was true, I think. <laughs> Uh, so we'll go for the first question which was from uh, Ross FI here And he says, what do you predict the dividend policy announcement will be around? Do you think media dividends will be changed? And how much impact do you think the squad will have on future MB? Then Joe Felix says, what specific area of the dividend structure do you think they will change or, in your opinion, make the most sense from a business perspective or a trader's perspective? And then Stamford follows up by saying, now that FI committed to a dividend review, how would you restructure the dividend offerings?
1: (laughs) Right, so we start with the first question then on just what i think the announcement will be and i think the key thing for me is that they called it dividend review and they were quite vague about the whole thing i think everyone's been really quick to assume we're gonna have a dividend increase end of the month but i'm not so sure of that to be honest for example like you had mike and kieran on quite recently and they were both quite uh, adamant that there isn't going to be a dividend increase anytime soon we know adam said that before himself And what is it? It was only only a couple of months ago. Was it in March when they did the share split announcement or when was it? Yeah, it was in March. So it was only in March then when they did that and they announced, you know, we've already had increases quite recently. So I'm not 100% they are going to increase them. I think it might be some sort of announcement about their strategy like going forward. So they might tell us a bit more about timing of dividend increases or how they're going to work that out like going forward. For example, say, every season depending on the growth of the platform will look at increasing dividends so I don't know I'm not convinced they definitely are going to increase it. Mm. Though many people have said that everyone
0: seems to think it's for definite that they're increasing dividends.
1: Yeah I just obviously listen I hope they do and it would be but <laughs> I'm not going to turn it down but I just think the choice of words has been quite vague and I think they've purposely done that and Mm. I was a bit surprised by the timing of it. I wasn't really expecting any sort of dividend increase to at least the euros. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced there will be an increase. Um, Mm. In terms of media dividends being changed, again, I'm not sure they're going to put that up. Just from the last announcement, we already had media dividends go up 20%. And... I know loads of people have already made a bit of a fuss over it on Twitter that it's open to the squad that we haven't had an increase. But we have. We had it months ago, and we were told about it six months ago. And the thing is, when we had IPDs coming, I remember everyone was outraged at the start as well. But then after a while, everyone kind of came around and started loving them. And I just think it's far too early to judge this change. It's only been like a week, 10 days. We don't know the full effects of it. And I know everyone was saying, oh, it's actually more than 7% of the squad that win media. But if I've actually come out and shown us how they worked out and it does seem quite accurate. So Mm. again, it's not, it shouldn't really affect things that much, especially when we've had that much notice. And in terms of like future MB for rest of the season, I think as we get into the season more, the top 200 will show their value more and actually they'll collect more media. So again, it's just such a bad time to judge this change because we haven't started having the big games yet. We're not in the deeper rounds of Champions League. We don't have as many like transfer rumours at the moment. So I think all the big players, the typical media guys, aren't collecting as much anyway. But I think just to sum it up, I just think we need more time. It's far too early for everyone to be judging it and writing it off. Um, so let's just wait and see a bit with that, I think.
0: Yeah, it was like five or six days into it that I think there was... William and Larice won, and people were just like, "Oh, I'm sick of this." And it's just like, <laughs> it it was way too early. Like, I th- I think I did that long thread because, and I did it purposely, kind of at the end of the day because I'd been tossing and turning because a lot of people had been like, "Oh, this is not right." I think it's kind of like twenty twenty five percent, and I was like, "We don't know." Like <laughs> the first time Fi ever revealed that they'd done those calculations. This what I wrote. We didn't even know the range Mm. month on month prior to squad opening. We got given an average without a time period attached. And now we finally do have a time period attached. The maths is there. It's kind of hard to argue with it. And it's actually below 7%. Um, It was like 6.8, wasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, 6.86. But interestingly, looking at it here, not in the top 200. In October 2018, 1.82% would have won, which is a very small amount. In January (laughs) January 2019... 23.81% twenty three point eight one percent would have won Oh wow, right? so you're looking at a lot of transfer rumors bubbling up there, whoever it may be, but it it just shows though, because the range there is between one point eight two percent to twenty three point eight one percent right That's the <laughs> range across how many months is that? That's August, September four, five, six, seven, eight months, right That's a pretty decent sample size, and that's a big, big difference, like this big difference.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, that shows that there's no way you can judge it after a week. You've got to give it a couple of months and then probably their numbers will hold true a bit.
0: Yeah, and I, I suppose a lot of people have pointed to Triple MB being a lesser thing, but realistically, like y- you had to at some point include kind of qualification rounds and, you know, eventually maybe FA Cups and Carling Cups or whatever in PB because the more games that are played, the more liquidity in the market, I think. And that just kind of makes sense from FI's business model perspective. And also, it probably appeases the majority of traders. I know a lot of people do love media and it's an important part of the product and it's important to have this 360 view. But I just think that that was not a defunct argument, but we still got more dividends. It was just in another bucket. I Mm. I don't know if that was, but it was just a bit of a big complaint and a strange one, I think.
1: Yeah, that's spot on really. I think, that pb is what gains the most interest from traders and during international breaks we're going to get more interest if there's pb dividends on offer compared to media ones and i think people even said that over the first couple they said this is the first time i've not been bored in the the international break because pb's been on
0: Yeah, yeah 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 exactly like it could prove to be a game changer when we look at it like six months down the line like it really could
1: Yeah, it's so early on again. I think we've got to wait till we have a couple before we fully judge it, really. Definitely, definitely. And I think, yeah, Joe
0: Felix's question here, what specific area of the dividend structure do you think they will change? What do you think is going to make most sense to you if indeed they do end up changing the dividends?
1: Oh, it's a tough one. I think for traders, (laughs) there's only one way traders will be happy when the dividend changes, and that's if they increased every dividend type on offer. Because we've already seen everyone finds a reason to moan no matter what the announcement is, no matter what's increased, no matter what's changed. And I think we've seen it's impossible to please everyone. Mm. So I think the only way traders would all be happy is if increase every possible dividend. But obviously, really doubt they're going to do that. I think from a business perspective, I think looking at it financially, they want whatever's going to keep most people interested Mm. and also draw most new users in. And for me, that's got to be an increase in pb over mb i just think it's so much easier to follow it, it follows what happens on the pitch there's so much data around of people to look into and just the rises and falls around pb i find are more logical and winning p for example if a player wins pb is because well majority of the time it's because they're playing well on the pitch and they see a rise off the back of it that's more logical to me than a player winning media dividends because he's had a new haircut or just something ridiculous like that really and listen like i get it like mb is important and it was like foundations of index and it was the original idea but there's just so many biases and flaws in this system it does make it a little bit of a joke for me and i think if if i want to keep growing and take this forward then pb really really needs to outweigh mb as a dividend
0: i do kind of agree actually i think that if you look at the product as a whole you look at what traders get most excited about you look at what probably creates the most liquidity in the market it's pb and i think that for this thing to go from you know a 70 million market cap to 1 billion because Mm -hmm. that's probably what we're talking about in terms of the potential of this thing then I don't think you can do that with the current weighting between PB and MB. And look, that can't be done overnight, right? You can't suddenly devalue the MB bets by a ridiculous amount by saying we're quadrupling PB, meaning that every PB player is worth or part of a PB player or part of the player that is PB, rather, is worth Mm -hmm. four times more than the media. It has to be gradual. But I don't see a reason why we can't veer towards that one day, like eventually in the future, you know, two, three years down the line. IPDs, I think, they've got to be quite careful with in the way that they... Because I said this the other day to someone, I said, if FI increase IPDs too much, say in this review or in the future, in comparison to the other two dividends, you are going to get fewer and fewer big investors. And that's what you need. You need big money coming into this market to to prop up prices. You need them to create a bigger market cap, add liquidity to the market, add confidence to the market. And whether we like it or not, those big investors are what keeps fi ticking from a business standpoint longer term there's you know a reason why fi employ actual people to cater to the needs of the biggest investors on the platform and there's a reason that you know hedge funds do that as well for their clients it's just smart business and i think their business model will follow that i think when ipds first came out a lot of people said oh what a great way to increase liquidity Mm. and i think really the better part of ipds is them giving value to uh, cheaper players Mm. i thought the liquidity thing was a slightly lazy argument because i think you could do that in other ways whether that's you know pushing back the dividend deadline for pb and mb or making pb tiered i don't know if that would increase liquidity but there are other things that you can do in that kind of vicinity
1: yeah i think it it really gave value to like sub one pound players that can't really compete for pb Um, but score a lot of goals or even keep... Well, I guess it's not probably not had a desired effect on keepers that FI wanted, I think. But yeah, definitely players that weren't quite good enough to challenge for PB suddenly became attractive options to buy just to buy for goals. And I think we saw a bit of a surge in all the under one pound strikers at one point.
0: Yeah, we did. And I think um, that's kind of slightly died down, probably partly because of the announcement that we're going to be seeing so that that's going to be interesting but i think alan cooper's mentioned tier db here actually i've probably stolen the words out of his mouth he says <laughs> tier b pb still my favorite but it won't happen triple media buzz every day double and treble days actually being what they say or more than that so what what about potential of triple media coming back um ugh. that would be a big waiting wouldn't it towards mb
1: yeah that's the thing like we said earlier i'd rather see more of a shift in towards PB from this one and like you said it's got to be gradual but this is a perfect chance just to increase it slightly and similar to what you said about IPDs like the last announcement was most heavily uh, weighted towards IPD so I think I'd definitely rather not see another increase there I think they've got to be careful because if they shift away from the whole PB thing too much I think they're losing their like unique selling point that that makes them different from the bookies that this is more of a longer term bet like if you keep increasing ipds it is just going to get closer and closer to the bookies and the anytime goal scorer market so i think not ipd like i said i think pb should weigh more than MB. so i like it to go towards pb um i think i'd love tiered pb as well but they seem really against (laughs) it anytime they come up they shoot it down straight away i think what i'd maybe like to see is a quadruple day for the saturday and sundays where we got A crazy amount of games, so obviously we've got singles, doubles, trebles, why not have another one when you do have crazy number of games?
0: That could be interesting.
1: In terms of the timing of it, like I said, I don't think the increase will be end of October, so Mm. I'd probably like to see it for the Euros. I think they missed a real trip. Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think that if I
0: say to you, look, Ali, in June twenty twenty, FI are gonna increase dividends by seventy percent, let's just say I'm just using Mm. an arbitrary number,
1: what would you go and do? i'd like sell up anything i can and put all my money in fi I don't <laughs> exactly right so yeah. it makes no difference if i say to you it's gonna
0: start in november or june 2020 it's kind of the same isn't it
1: yeah yeah that's true and this is the thing even if end of october they exactly so if they came out end of october and they said we're not increasing dividends now but we will end of the season i'd be perfectly happy and if anything i think they should do that because i think we need that little bit of... Yeah, well, it's just more confidence. I think at the moment, there's a bit of people aren't sure, like, are dividends going to increase? If so, when will it be? How much should be? And I think the uncertainty puts people off investing, whereas if you knew... In a couple of months' time, or they gave a certain day dividends would go up, you feel much more confident putting more money in. So I think it's holding people back, not knowing anything around their kind of thinking with dividends. Is it going to increase? When will it be? How much will it be by? What's the way they think about it? So I think we do need more information about it. And I think that's what the review announcement could be.
0: Yeah, I think I've had a few messages from people saying stuff like, I actually sold a load of players because I've got the vibe from fi that they're not going to be increasing dividends or better yet that they just weren't sure what fi's kind of long-term dividend plan was mm-hmm. i think i had a conversation with like stanford asp and sotd and a couple of other guys on twitter we were talking about kind of that double-edged sword about fi can't say look dividends are going to increase every year and the reason they can't do that is because we just keep buying and buying and depositing and depositing and some people would say that's great but it would just create bubble after bubble after bubble and you'd be buying players now for a dividend increase in like three years time do you know what i mean like Mm. it would be like a bubble in a bubble in a bubble it'd be kind of strange it'd be a more silly market i think and i'm not saying there's not something towards that that is right but basically i don't think they've got the balance right now in saying nothing yeah i don't think the answer is saying look this is what it's going to be on the first of january every year we're going to increase dividends by a set percent I don't think that's it either. There's got to be some leeway in between.
1: Yeah, that's true, to be fair. If they came out and said we're increasing it year on year, then you're right. Everyone would just keep piling money in, preempting that. And then everyone would just always be overvalued because everyone's just waiting for the next increase. So, yeah, I think you're right. It, to be fair to them, it is a tricky job. It is a tricky job. I don't really know what the right method would be for them. I don't know if they should. yeah, I don't know really. It's, it's got to be linked to growth really, I guess. It's just at certain points of growth, they've got to say, right, we want to review it now. We want to review it now.
0: Mm, mm. I I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think tiered PB could actually be a thing. Like I'm not saying it's going to be, but I think it could be a thing. I know they've been very starkly against it the whole time, but I
1: I don't really see... Why do you think they are so against it? Because literally anytime it's mentioned, they always just shoot it down straight away. I don't
0: really know. I suppose in terms of IPDs and MB, it's easy for them to get the data from IPDs. They don't have to pay for it. They just get it from whatever, like they could just get it from who scored, right? They just, you could just sit an intern down and get them to jot down the numbers or get someone to scrape the internet. With MB, there's the Norwegian guys matrix that they use, uh, (laughs) the, the sentiment scoring thing. So... I'm not sure if they had to pay for that, but probably wasn't that expensive with tier PB. I think if they wanted to like, I think it's just probably harder for them to model what the payouts will be. Mm. And it would, I don't know. It seems to me that it would make this more seem more like a stock market in that if you buy a premium player, right. Mm. And instead of Neymar winning, I don't know, eight times a year as a, single star man or whatever Mm. he wins 20 times a year in the top three but that makes those payouts a little bit more constant and it means that those premium assets hold a bit more weight and they have a bit more money and a bit of a base in them longer term And I think that it would also mean that the lower end of the market, right, there's going to be those guys that score a few goals or a couple goals on a game day, but Messi scores a hat-trick and they get beaten, right? Mm. That player might have just had the performance of the season and hasn't been rewarded or the best performance in that game week apart from Messi and hasn't been rewarded. And I think, like, I get the endorphin rush of, of winning you know, that first star man spot and Messi and Neymar, if they perform to their best of their ability and Ronaldo, they're always going to be top, right? Or maybe not Ronaldo because he's maybe not as suited, but even him, right? If he scores four goals or a hat-trick in a game, he's probably going to win. So I think there's maybe an angle there where it makes it feel like for those bigger investors that they're investing in something that has a bit more of a, just a payout that keeps ticking along, right? That in that triple pb or tiered pb
1: scenario but i don't know but maybe that's what if i don't want maybe they don't want people just sitting on the big holds and that's why but they do want to do big it. investors mm.
0: maybe you're right in that they don't want people to sit on big holds but they do want big investors and i think that tiered pb would probably cause quite a lot of volatility in the market i think but i do think you could do things with tiered pb like why not move the dividend deadline back? you know that would yeah. cause a lot more volatility that would yeah, cause yeah. a lot more uh booms and busts so if they were like okay look that means people sit on players too much in terms of tier pb then they can balance that out with pushing it further or doing something else i don't know
1: yeah i think i, I would love to see tier pb but yeah it's just the stance they've had on it for some reason they're so against this so i'd be surprised if we saw it
0: yeah i would agree but i think that the more I think about it, the more I think, like, why can't it be a thing? But mm. I don't know. I am i don't work at FI and I don't know the ins and outs, so you know, <laughs> well, know, maybe one to know ask. better than me, right? One to uh, ask
1: next time you got them on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I'll delve into that one. Uh, index Owen, what do you make of Buzz going outside of the top 200? Do you think money going from the top two, 10 players will end
1: the index? And he <laughs> says, you're my favourite <laughs> trader, by the way. <laughs> well, I think... The study FI put out today proving that it is 7%, well, less, 6.83% of players outside of 200 that win it shows that actually the, the impact will be minimal. And like we said already today, I think, again, it's just so early to judge it. Let's judge it again in like six months' time. But again, with this MB change, we've known about it for six months. And I think if people weren't happy about it, it's been plenty of time to like change strategy. Um, it shouldn't really affect things that much. And I think in terms of money moving out of the top 10, <laughs> if it's going to end the index, it, I think it depends how much would be taken out. And would that be taken out of just the top 10 players into other players or would it be taken out the index completely? Because if it's being taken out of the top 10 players lower down, I don't think it would affect things as much. Whereas obviously if people set up those players and take the money out completely, then yeah, it'd have a bigger effect.
0: I think I kind of disagree slightly on the aspect that if the money taken out goes into lower players, it's not a disastrous thing for the index because it, to some extent it is. Because if you think about it, if Neymar is the guy that returns the most dividends across the year mm. and he's not top of the index or he's not close, then you get into a situation where a player IPOs at say £2, let's say Fatty, the guy from Barca, IPOs at £2.50.
1: And he's just got a lower
0: peak. Yeah, he's got a lower peak, right? He surely, logically, can't ever get to higher than Neymar because, you know, unless he's, uh, you know, Lionel Messi level player, he's probably not going to get to that level of dividend returns. So he probably won't get to, you know, that kind of price. That shrinks the amount of money that can actually go into that player. So I think it's kind of like a, for FI... It is actually kind of a disaster if those top 10, or the, not the top 10 necessarily, the premium assets on beholden, given some sort of weight to them, if that makes sense, because it actually shrinks the potential prices of all the players they IPO
1: and all the players lower down below. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. So obviously if the top players rise, you'd expect the rest of the market to rise eventually and then vice versa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'd retract that point, actually. It probably would end the index if money left the whole top 10. <laughs>
0: um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I think we usually have these um, swings where it goes into the lower end and then goes back into the top end, back into the lower end. And this time it just didn't really go back into the top end, if that makes sense. So maybe FI were looking at that and I don't know, I don't know, maybe they are more concerned than we think about those kind of top dividend returners
1: well, yeah, I think maybe that's why they've kind of brought out the announcement when uh, no one was really expecting it. I think stagnation um, in the market, but also the top premium players, does is something they think about a lot. I feel like every time we've had a period of stagnation, they kind of step in and announce a bonus or a dividend review or something just to try and boost things. So I think it definitely is something that concerns them as well. Hmm.
0: we'll move on to the next question here from dt do you think fi influenced the market too much in the past few weeks we've had dips prior to a suspected deposit bonus massive rise with a net spend birthday bonus a bigger dip at the end of the bonus and now another rise because of the dividend news shouldn't they just let the market dictate itself instead of dictating it for us
1: (laughs) yeah good question it does feel like it does feel like they've kind of stepped in quite a lot in the past year. And I think, to me, that just shows how much they're concentrating on growth. Most of their money, to me, it seems like it's gone on marketing in the past year. And in, in terms of the market, like I said, every time it's been stagnant, they intervene with some sort of announcement or deposit bonus just to try and boost things. So I think all they're kind of concentrate on it is just to keep growing, keep growing. Um, now, how sustainable that is, obviously, long term, I don't think they can keep doing that. but. I'd say we're probably quite far off that. They probably can do that a few times at the moment, maybe in even the next year or two still. But yeah, I fully agree that at some point they do have to just stop. But I just think we're quite far away from that still, I think, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think we're at least as long as FI has been alive from that kind of market cap or whatever happening. What do you think about deposit bonuses in general, Ali?
1: I remember, I think it was a trader meet in London. I can't remember who it was, but one of my, Adam or Kieran, said that they studied the deposit bonuses and even though there's pullback, every time they've done it, the market's actually grown. So, and I just think, surely that's only a good thing. Um, If the market's growing at the moment, every time they're doing it, then I don't really have a problem with it. What I would kind of like is if they're not planning on doing it, to come out and say, just because I think, there was a bit of uncertainty about this one where some people weren't sure if it's going to happen and then some people took the money out just thinking, oh, what if it does happen? I want to have money spare. And then I think that indecision had an effect on the market. So I think I liked them to just say a little bit more about it, just say, we're not going to have one this year or we're considering it. I just want a bit more information on it. on it, I think. I'm kind
0: of mixed on deposit bonuses. I think this one was an exception due to the kind of squad opening up at the same time and... People panicking, frankly. I do think there is an aspect of, and I've said this quite a few times on the podcast, sorry if I'm boring people, but kind of giving an opportunity to those smaller traders who haven't been on for that long to go a bit bigger and actually create a more well rounded large position on FI. And I think that's kind of a good thing. If someone who has 500 quid in the platform suddenly becomes a person with a portfolio of 10,000 pounds. That's a good thing, right? It's all well and good. Me and you have been on quite a long time chucking around thousands or depositing or whatever. Mm. But that, I think, is a big thing. If you have more skin in the game, you are then more likely to recommend it to a friend. That network effect has a, you know, carries a bit more weight, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that's true. I think at the moment, again, in the growth phase, I don't think it's too much of an issue as long as they don't do it too often. So I think at the moment, for me, I think they're fine, to be honest.
0: Mm, mm. I kind of tend to agree I don't like to see them too frequently but mm. um, yeah not not too against them uh, Football Index Buzz here says Football Index relies on a consistent core of traders who are willing and able to plough big money into the premium holds they literally cannot afford to alienate those traders and actually rising prices at the top end of the market benefit all traders so we've just discussed the second half of that but what about going back to that kind of premium or larger trader thing. Football Index relies on a cost consistent core of traders who are willing and able to plough big money into the premium holds.
1: <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how many of the bigger accounts actually hold a lot of premium players. I think it's less than people would think. And the only, only reason I'm saying that is because quite recently after the deposit bonus, I was thinking whether it's worth holding the premium holds myself. So I messaged some of the bigger accounts on Twitter just to get their thoughts and it really was far less than I thought the number of premium players they all held. So I think people would be surprised that not many of the bigger portfolios, maybe they don't hold as many premium players as they think. So I don't think they would really be alienated as much. Why do you think that might be? Why do you think some of those
0: large traders have stopped kind of circulating in the premium side of things?
1: Um. I just think that with the top players at the moment, they've kind of at the limit of how much higher they can go in value. So the money you can make from capital appreciation is not as good as it is lower down. So lower down already at the start of the season, we're just seeing huge percentage returns. And I think most experienced traders are kind of looking at and thinking, right, like my money, instead of staying in these top holes and maybe get me about 25% over the year, I could have a lower down. And, you know, we've already seen some players double in price over a matter of a month or six weeks at the start of the season. So it just makes more sense. And I think if you've got the time to put in, why wouldn't you do that?
0: Mm, mm, yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of people have made a lot of money from those kind of lower to medium side of things on fi so you, you can't really blame them can you
1: yeah no if there's better returns further down in the market at the moment why wouldn't you kind of shift things there if you've got the time to do it so
0: essex fi has a question actually that touches on something we recently talked about actually you and me just about five minutes ago <laughs> Do you the <laughs> div review will go some way to creating a sustained growth and away from the boom and bust cycles we have recently seen do you think fi will come away from the regular deposit bonuses to stabilize the market in the future bus cycles in my opinion will scare away new users so i just want to actually pick up on that last bit because we've already talked about the previous bits Mm. do you think the recent slight dip in the market has scared people or scared new traders
1: Um, i think as a new trader timing is a big thing If, if you do join at a time when everything is just going down and then let's say you go on Twitter and everyone's posting all this negative stuff, you would get scared off. It's, it's a natural thing. But then it depends on the mentality of like the new user as well. Like if you're joining this, if you join FI as like an investment, then you've got to have the mindset that actually some weeks or some months, it will go down. You can't expect to go all the way up. So I think it really depends on the mentality of the trader. Okay, it's not great
0: if you see red and the market falling or whatever but i think that this idea and this agitation that traders for me what's continuously seeming to happen is that the further on FI get into their kind of life cycle as a company the more mature we get we should be seeing less panic when there's dips mm. and i think we're actually seeing more panics and i'm not sure if that's because there's more new users or we're People are just getting increasingly agitated with them as a company or as a product. And then when the market is down, people take that kind of angst and anger against FI just because the market's down.
1: Yeah, it's probably a combination of two, really. But yeah, I mean, there's some people who've been around a while. and. And they've kind of see us go through these dips and then go back up and dips. And then they still seem to be surprised or, or complain so much when we do see red. And I just think, <laughs> I've just questioned how much confidence those people actually have in the product. I think if you aren't confident in the product, then if you are seeing a bit of red for a few weeks or even a month, it shouldn't really kind of change your attitude that much.
0: Yeah, I think going back to maybe what we talked about with, ipds versus pb versus mb that usp that fi has is that it is a three-year bet and your bet's not over till the final whistle and that this is kind of like a long-term thing not just a a 90-minute accumulator or a betting on an anytime goal scorer for one game so i just i think people still think of it too much in the traditional gambling sense mm that if they lose they feel horrible and like there's no way back blah 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 like i'm sure there's been a lot of people in this recent slight dip that have not really enjoyed it and have just kind of been thinking and their brain will not let them not think about what's just happened for the past week but in actual fact some of the players that they bought they've had a thing about holding them for like three four five six months
1: Yeah I think you know people say it a lot and I think it definitely holds true that you need to just zone out a little bit Um, probably it is a little bit tedious to keep a spreadsheet every day so I appreciate how everyone does that but if you just take a screenshot of your portfolio like every couple of weeks and then when you are having a bad week or month just kind of go back to the old ones and just think about the growth you've made over that time and just yeah like you said look at the bigger picture instead of getting bogged down over a week or a month or whatever.
0: I think there are probably too many people that obsess over kind of daily profits even weekly is maybe too much i think that you've got to take that bigger picture approach that if you have a strategy and employ it it's going to come good over a certain period no matter i think people have become more obsessed with how much people other people are making if that makes sense
1: Mm, yeah i think (laughs) we're seeing it more on twitter now people posting their return of investment over certain periods or on certain players and i think yeah it's definitely playing on people's minds Mm. Uh, the exiled
0: robin fi given you've met and spoken with the big wigs recently do you believe this was planned all along maybe the reason for the ipo delay or do you think there's an element of a knee-jerk reaction to the complaints around downturn on social sites i assume the former but tight timing is odd so i think this was addressed more to me but obviously i'm gonna ask you ali do you think
1: (laughs) it was (laughs) knee-jerk i like to think it wasn't I like to think they're not that easily influenced by people moaning. And I mean, when we had the IPDs, everyone was moaning about it and they didn't really step in or change it then. So I like to think this isn't because of people's reactions either. What I think may have happened is that they had a dividend increase in mind anyway. And then they just thought, right, like maybe we'll just come out, make some sort of announcement about what we had in mind for it or when we're going to do it or whatever, just so people know we are thinking about it or something. Mm.
0: it's so hard to say obviously we don't know the only thing is that is strange to me is the deposit bonus the order of which these things have happened the deposit bonus the announcement that there's going to be a review and also them then revealing the seven percent right mm. surely if you see the complaints the way to allay those fears is just to release the data and yeah. then suddenly you're like okay, well, we don't need to increase dividends or do anything because we've proven that we didn't lie. Like, this is this is the data. The math is the math. But then you've got the deposit bonus, which is done before and, you know, the dividend review thing said after. Like, for me, the order of which I would have done that, I would have published the results, announced the dividend review, then done a deposit bonus.
1: Yeah, I think they should, they should have released the results of the 7% right at the start. Back in March when they said, oh, only 7% outside top 200 win. Why not just show people then? And then you'd stop everyone complaining and looking into it. If you're
0: as over transparent as you can be as a company, right? Look, and I get there are going to be parts of FI that we'll never see. There's financials and this and that that we're never going to understand or know or be given access to. But if FI push the boat out as far as they can in terms of giving traders or investors the knowledge that they aren't quote unquote hoodwinking us <laughs> because i think even if it's 0.1 percent of users that think that it's a bad thing that's for me if i was running a company i'd want every single one of the customers on my platform or we use my product to trust my brand right and i think there's still too many people that don't trust fi considering we're four years down the line Mm. and i think that's on fi really to kind of properly be as transparent as you can because for me that was just one layer of transparency right they didn't say how long they'd done that kind of case study on they didn't say who the players were they didn't give all that data that we saw today why couldn't they have done that at the beginning then you've suddenly you've over communicated and been as transparent as possible If someone complains, they're just clearly inconsiderate and uh, someone that you probably don't want to discuss for anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, thinking back to it, it was a bit lazy from them. I don't, if they had the results there, if they looked into it, done all the research, I don't really understand why they didn't publish it and save themselves all this hassle. Um, The fact that they have released that though, again, just to kind of back their point about why media hasn't changed that much just makes me think again this dividend announcement may not really be an increase or at least won't be an increase for media dividends anyway
0: yeah i don't know i just think it was a strange way to do it which just kind of confuses me and i don't want to put my neck on the line and say that it was knee-jerk or it wasn't Mm. i don't know
1: it's it was strange timing for sure very strange
0: Yeah, especially going into an international break. It was just like a, I don't know. I think that, like you, I would have probably done this either in the new year or probably before the Euros.
1: Yeah, I think they really could use it well for the Euros. You're going to get so much, there'd be so much interest, so much interest of people watching and following that if you do some sort of dividend increase, then it's going to bring in so many new customers, I think
0: yeah yeah i mean i'd like to think it wasn't knee jerk overall but just the way they've done it i can't help but feel that maybe there was some back and forth or maybe they weren't sure or maybe they just said oh if this happens we'll do it if that makes sense if there's a market downturn by five percent we'll do it or i don't know let's see where it goes most fi announcements have gone well to this date so i kind of trust that the one on the 29th will be quite good
1: Maybe they'll be transparent then and and tell us kind of why they did it and why they did it at that time. We'll see. Mm, mm. Uh, Fi headhunter says, "Do you think Fi could replace
0: media buzz with anything else to keep the interest up on non-match days?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not really, to be honest. Which is why, as much as I prefer PB over media, I do think we need media to stay for the non-match days and like the summers where there's no international tournaments on. I think it, it is a key part of it and there is no replacement for it really. So I think it does need to always stay in some sort of form at least.
0: I also think FI will have difficulty removing things, right? And that's why everyone was kind of like, okay, are we? Are you going to announce in play dividends are here to stay? Are you going to announce in play dividends are here to stay? Mm. Because once FI commit to that, it's very hard from them from a gambling regs things point of view to like remove a whole dividend category because that fundamentally i don't think they can decrease dividends i think sam friedman talked about it once on the podcast where he was just like it just won't happen like confidence the market will um will deter completely and i just think they'd have quite a few complaints to probably people that they don't want to be complained to about if that makes Mm. sense
1: yeah they can't decrease dividends in any way I think a lot of people would leave then. But like we said earlier, I think I'd rather just see a slight gradual increase in PB and then we slowly get that weighting shifted from PB to MB without MB actually ever getting decreased.
0: Exactly. I think that's the way to do it. And I think if you think that FI are going to increase dividends probably for the next i don't know two three years maybe four years who knows then i would think and i would hazard a guess that pb will be the main one that increases and mb and ipd become smaller components of the platform mm. i hope so i hope that's the direction they go to be honest then i think they open themselves up to because they talked about as well the pb matrix being reviewed at some point mm. like i think that that is the most important part of the product. Once they fix MB in terms of, you know, the matrix and all the things that they talked about that they want to fix, then eventually they're probably going to iterate the PB matrix again at some point. I don't think we should be scared of that, especially if they're going to continuously increase dividends for the next three or four years until we have something a bit more robust. Because at the moment there's people who are saying, okay, well, now corner takers are too good. Midfielders are winning too much. So (laughs) they, you know, it's better now than it was but I don't think it's perfect and I think that they can as a product move towards something better
1: and to be fair to them the more the more data they get on it the more seasons they kind of implement it the the more they realize what way it should go so yeah I think again if they, if they want to change it next year I wouldn't be against it at all because every time they're improving it slightly and eventually we will get something that replicates on pitch performance more accurately really hmm uh well, time
0: for uh a little plug for index gain now. And I don't know, Ali, do you use Index Gain?
1: Yeah, I do actually. Um I would definitely recommend that. I think the price alerts alone are worth the membership to be honest.
0: Yeah, so as Ali mentioned there, you can basically set price alerts for every player that you earn in your portfolio. So if you have, you know, Pogba Name or a Messi, you don't want to look at your portfolio every day, don't wanna open that Pesky Football Index app every day, then you know, you can insert them neymar pogba and messi into your slack app on index gain and they will send you price alerts however often you want them which is pretty nifty it is really good a lot of people love it so if you guys are interested in checking out their community and all those great functions that they have both on the slack app and also on their website you can use the code fig2020 for 50 percent off your first month uh, indexgain.co.uk and uh, yeah check them out some great guys behind it and it's a a great product Uh, the next few questions here we've got are about your strategy Ali. so we've talked a lot about what's happened to fi so maybe (laughs) we dig into a bit more yourself as a trader which is only fair as you've given up uh, an hour and a bit of your evening to chat through a laptop with me Uh, (laughs) football index mole best announcement ever and i think that he's talking about the announcement of you coming on the podcast (laughs) i I think think the the look suited you fig so me and the um the overalls whatever it is to ali when if ever have you switched up your trading style
1: and what caused you to change i'd say i probably change my trading style quite often um and that's because the way i like to kind of trade and look at things is just by looking at the different market cycles so there's certain predictable ones you get every year let's say the summer transfer period and the january transfer period and then In between that, you've almost got like mini trends that always develop. So I think, let's look at last summer, for example. So obviously we had transfers and then we knew the under 20 World Cup was coming up. So that was like a mini trend for me where under 20 World Cup players were going up. And then also, then we had the IPD strikers. Then I think single and double days became a big one where people were looking at which teams got singles and doubles and buying in advance. Then we kind of had like a bit of a non-PB League player hype recently then there was one about PB players on set pieces. So I think <laughs> there's always kind of mini trends going on. I, I try and just find what those trends are and get on early if I can. And I'd say the best way of doing it is Twitter. I think Twitter gets so much stick from people about negativity on there, people moaning, people pumping. Uh, when it's true, there is a lot of useless stuff on there we could do without. But at the same time, I do think it probably is the most useful tool as well you've got so many traders there and people kind of people put out a lot of uh, useful information a lot of useful and it's,
0: and it's all free mostly
1: exactly exactly and i think just from following loads of traders you kind of just kind of looking for what people are talking about what type of players are going through as well as looking at the increase list you can kind of get a feel for what the current trend is and then just look for a player that kind of fits in try and go on early if you can um always though I, I do tend to stay away from the younger players Let's. Not because I don't think you can make money from them, but I just don't really understand the rise and fall with them. I don't really understand where the peaks are for those young <laughs> young players, so I tend to stay away from them. But yeah, I'd say overall I changed my strategy quite a lot because I just try and look for the trends and just get on early. I know people talk about short-term trading and long-term trading, but I'd probably say I'm like a medium-term trader. <laughs> and I mostly hold players for like one to three months. So I think looking through my portfolio, I've only got one player I've had for over a year. And then after him, my longest hold has been like three months. I just want to dig
0: into the bit where you talked about young players. Why do you struggle to price them so much?
1: Yeah, so I think before I go into any trade, I like I like to have, a, have like a figure in my mind of what the peak price for that player is. And I just struggle with the younger players to do that. Let's say Zhao Felix, for example. And I'm not, t- I'm not talking him down here, but let's say he's £4 pounds at the moment. I don't really understand why he is £4. Pounds. Like, why isn't he £5? Why isn't he... To me, it just seems a bit random, the price of these youngsters. Like, yeah, I get he's got future dividend potential in him and he's got so many years to win PB or MB or whatever, but surely it's just complete guess, like how much MB he could win over the next 10 years or how much PB he could win over the next 10 years as well. Because there's two months of PB data on Zhao Felix. So is that price, do people work out that price based on these two months of PB? Or I don't know, surely it's just a complete guess.
0: So in the video that I made very recently, the the fifth episode of the second season of The Bank Builder, I kind of talked about Martinelli quite a lot. And the reason I talked about him and I thought it was kind of an interesting trade or I found it really interesting how his price moved was because I, as an Arsenal fan, right, knew a little bit about him, but not a lot at all because he'd be playing in Division 4 Brazil, right? But I knew that no one that isn't an Arsenal fan or everyone that isn't an Arsenal fan had pretty much no clue how good this guy was, right? And we, as Arsenal fans, didn't really have any idea how good he is. Yeah. So... When he scored, right, that was probably the first kind of data point or that his, you know, the second, those two goals that he scored against um, Standard Liège were the first couple strong bits of data that traders have actually got about him, if that makes sense. I know that's a really weird thing to say, but we've gone from having no information on a player to suddenly having this data point, which is only positive because he scored two goals. So... If you kind of imagine Mason Greenwood, right? We've got a player that was hyped a lot throughout the Youth Academy. You know, he's in the squad um, Manchester United at a really young age. Same with João Felix. He's played for Benfica for a whole season. So we've got that whole bit of data. And then he's moved to Atletico Madrid. He's played there for three months now. We've got that bit of data. And so people are basically looking at that whole 15 months and trying to project what his development could be both from as a, as a player and in terms of his eventual, you know, PB earnings, I guess I'm trying to apply logic to these prices, by the way, by no means am I saying you're wrong or I'm right uh, in, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate into kind of trying to twist the conversation into them having some intrinsic value that isn't dividend based, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I completely see the value in them. I just, I find it hard to predict how much more they're going to rise and if they're going to stay stagnant where they are and what's going to cause the next rise for them and listen if other people can kind of if other people get that and i don't and they make money from it fair play but if i don't really understand the logic behind a rise and fall i'd rather not get into that trade that's fair
0: that's fair do you you kind of enjoy trading more on like that data driven pbmb side of things
1: yeah, definitely. I think PB is definitely where it's at for me. I just find it so much more interesting. I find it so much more logical as well. And because it's the thing that interests me more, I just put far more time into kind of looking at that. I think mainly I kind of I like to look at the smaller teams from the bigger leagues and try and pick up like lesser known players for them. I'd say I don't really trade in the prem much. I find I just think prem players are so expensive, and I find it funner as well just to kind of trade outside the prem as well. To be honest.
0: That's interesting. I think the Prem thing is quite interesting because that's where people have the ability to watch those players the most. Mm. And they probably have those kind of, you know, the watch match of the day, they see those stats the most. So I guess a UK based product having a premium on Premier League players and obviously the MB thing being only English papers kind of makes sense on that end. But... It's it's interesting to see, like, I haven't really discussed thoroughly with anyone, you know, whether or not they understand the kind of price rises in in young players. It's quite interesting to dig into.
1: Going to the Prem thing, like, I completely get why there is more money in Prem players. Because, yeah, of course, we're a UK-based product, more people watch the Prem. But to me, that makes it more likely for players outside of Prem to go under the radar. I just Mm. think you're more likely to find better value because less people watch it. So you can kind of get on pretty good players cheaper. So you just put more opportunities outside, I think.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, Got a question here from Nick. What's your strategy for selling players?
0: All well and good getting the gains, but knowing the best time to sell, crystallise those gains, defeats me. I'm kind of just winging it at the moment. And I think <laughs> a lot of people have these, this kind of like issue.
1: It's probably the hardest thing on FI, I'd say, knowing when to sell. And I think what I've realized is that it's pretty difficult to time it perfectly every time. Like to be the guy who gets out of the peak every time, I find it nearly impossible. So I think it's important to not get bogged down if you're not getting out of peak, but just be happy to get out of profit. I think if you're ever unsure, just sell early or just sell some of your holding my biggest tip really is to just try and compare to similar players or if a player's had like a bit of a surge recently, just try and have a think as to why that is. So I remember in the first international break, again, we saw a lot of IPD strikers go up. So I think Yusuf Poulsen went up to like nearly 140. And and part of the big reason for him and other, other uh, Euro 2020 strikers rising that much at a time was because they had the qualifiers. And if you think about that as a factor... Once the qualifiers are over, that factor's out the window. So if they've had a price surge for that, you should expect a price drop after. So that's kind of the reason you try and think think sell seller thing. Just think, what factors of cause arise? Are these factors still going to be relevant in a week, two weeks, whenever? So that's kind of the way I'd think about it. But yeah, if you're ever unsure, I'd just sell early. earlier, I reckon. Mm, yeah, I think the
0: issue is that if you're unsure about something, you shouldn't not act that's kind of the the one thing that I have. I have to be certain that I'm going to keep a player, right? Or certain that I'm going to sell a player. If I'm unsure, though, I don't necessarily tend to leave it. I tend to think like, okay, how, what percentage would I put on my certainty? And if I'm 70% sure that I want to keep this player, I'd sell 30%. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a good way of thinking about it as well, to be honest. But yeah, I think overall selling on FI is probably the most difficult thing to master.
0: Yeah, I think this is the thing that kind of separates people making really good returns to really, 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 really amazing returns. Because if you can time your sales really well, and then put it into another cycle that is going to do 50%, then you're basically compounding your capital appreciation to like ridiculous extents.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think another thing would be to Instead of always thinking, can I get more of a rise out of this? Can I get more? Can I get more? Just think, am I happy with the rise I've got already? And can I see another rise elsewhere? Because you're right, if you sell a player and he goes up, it doesn't really matter if you've put that money into another player who's gone up more or gone up as well yeah
0: that's so true that's so true and i always think that i made a video once probably more than a year ago now about how selling early isn't like a bad thing like there's that good saying from a really famous investor i forgot what his name is that he says something like i've made all uh, he said i made most if not maybe all my money from selling early and it took me quite a while to get it but i was just like that's weird why would not you try and Hold until you sell at the very peak. But I only finally got it when I was on FI for a while, and then I made that video. And the reason being is that, like, if you catch ninety percent of a rise, sell, and then you catch another ninety percent of another rise, you're in the money there.
1: Mm, It's always compounding it.
0: Exactly, and it's you know eighth wonder of the world and all that. And you're going to be making a lot more money if you do that. Uh E. Whiting has a question
1: here. Hi Ali, big fan. Who are your tips for Euro twenty twenty? <laughs> God again, looking that far ahead is quite it's quite hard to make predictions. Have you got any teams that you'll that you think have got a good chance? Well, outside the usual suspects, I think at the moment in qualifying, Ukraine and Poland look decent. I think Poland have been really good actually. Um mm. i Maybe to have a pick from that, go for Milik. I know he just came back from injury recently, had a bit of a shocker first game. Mm. Um, but I think he's still quite young and I and I really rate him as a player and I think Poland could do well. So maybe have him as a pick. And then... I'll I have think quite-
0: The Netherlands look quite a bit better these days as well as a team.
1: Yeah, they got some uh, exciting young players coming through as well. I think. Still start Ryan Babel, though, for some crazy <laughs> reason. I don't understand. Well, that's the thing. I think Babel starts and Depay starts. And then they've got a whole load of other young strikers and wingers who everyone's kind of pumping on Twitter recently, but we don't <laughs> actually know which one of them's going to be a starter.
0: Yeah, they've got like Malin, uh, Bergwin, Bergwin. Stangs, is he? Stangs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bwadi, yeah. Um, oh, there's a lot of them, isn't there? So they've got so many good young players, don't they? So kind of blessed in those departments. It's going to be interesting, though. I wonder, do you reckon Fi will do some sort of like special promotion?
1: I think it's a big, big opportunity there. Big opportunity. I think they missed out. I think not doing something special for the World Cup last year. So I think they did do something, though, didn't they? Was it?
0: They did something. God, I completely forgot. It's got a bit got
1: disappointing, it.
0: though. Mm, uh, I don't remember. Football Index World Cup. Let me have a look. Let's see. I can't find it. Was it a sweepstake?
1: Oh, that's it. There yeah, I think everyone was hoping for a dividend increase, and then they did a sweepstake. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I found it. <laughs> oh, no, it was, uh, it's been deleted. That's annoying. Right. <laughs> um uh it was if if you deposited 100 quid you got entered into the draw and they gave away 100k didn't they
1: yeah that's it i just think doing something more related to the games that everyone's going to be watching will uh definitely bring in a lot more interest to be honest i've typed that in on google and
0: proudly one of my podcasts has come up <laughs> the fi profit hunter <laughs> yeah like that's if you go on that episode episode 40 we literally talk about the sweepstake and whether or not it was the best use of money so (laughs) it's come all the way back about 60 64 episodes later (laughs) it's quite interesting though isn't it like i wonder what FI could do to increase trading and make it more exciting during the euros i think it could just be like a kind of like they did the media madness over the summer but euros version
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, if they had every day as a double day or something like that, I'm sure it'd bring in a lot of interest. Or you could have
0: the group stage as a single day and then... Every knockout double, well, start and double. And then treble and for the quarters and... Oh, actually, there's not that many teams in the Euros, is there? You could do, yeah, uh, trebles for the semis and the final or whatever or something like that.
1: Which Yeah, I think, yeah either way, there's a, there's a big opportunity there, I think, for marketing and to bring in new users.
0: You could double it up with kind of like a media madness style thing as well, because if you imagine, you know, like a Ronaldo or an English player scores winner, you're going to have them maybe win PB and then MB at the same time, which would be like a a big boost, right?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Or even maybe they could just increase everything just for the Euros. (laughs) I I was thinking, well, what about the cheap players? Increase in play difference. Interesting. That was the last question, Ali. If you've, have you got anything else that you wanted to touch on that, that we haven't covered so far? I know it was very heavy on the announcement and we didn't get to talk about many other things but probably for good reason, right?
1: <laughs> no, it's all good, really. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for, for giving up about yeah, an hour and a chunk of your time in the evening for, for coming on. Where can people find out more about you on Twitter and stuff?
1: See, I'm just on Twitter as indexgamesh. If anyone ever needs help or any new traders for advice, just drop me a message. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very
0: much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I know we struggled to get you going technically uh, (laughs) connecting to things, but it's all fine in the end. If you guys are commuting right now, I hope you really enjoy your commute. If you're not commuting, having a bath or doing whatever you're doing, I think someone told me they're going to be on a a flight to Sydney. Um, So shout out to, I think it's Rich who said that. He said, I'm savoring the last episode for for his trip. So very jealous that he's (laughs) out there. A few people saying that they're on beds in the sun abroad listening to the show while I'm in cold London. Not jealous at all. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry if we didn't go out to answer all your questions. We didn't actually have that many at the start, Ali. And then I retweeted when the out- announcement happened and I was like, surely there's more now. <laughs> <laughs> and for good reason, we probably got too many. I uh, just wanted to remind everyone, to, as today is National Mental Health Day, Football Index is a gambling hit platform and I think everyone should only be Bet what you can afford to lose and obviously stop when the fund stops you know if this is putting any stress on your life then maybe not a good idea to be on football index thank you very much everyone for listening if you guys enjoyed this please do leave a review and all that good stuff please leave you know retweet retweet when it goes out on twitter leave comments and stuff and all that jazz and do subscribe to the show if you haven't already do leave reviews tell your friend about the podcast and uh, yeah tell your friend about football index let alone my podcast you know tell them about fi first cheers for listening everyone thank you very much